1: It's time for Grilling at the Green. Join Jeff Tracy as he explores the golfing lifestyle and tries to keep it in the short grass for the hackers, do sweepers, and turf spankers. Here's Jeff. Just open up the door and let's take good times in. Tomorrow's gonna be better than today
0: everybody welcome to grilling at the green here on am 860 the answer weeu back pennsylvania the golf news network and ksey down in texas i'm jt your host i would like to thank the folks at painted hills natural beef beef the way nature intended and a quick reminder that the portland golf show is coming up march 25th through the 27th at the expo center i'll be out there say hi to me i've got a lot of stuff to give away from our sponsors and ben hogan golf check out ben hogan golf online at of course benhogan golf.com uh they've got new club selections factory direct sales to you it's a great program check out benhogan golf.com well he's back he he is back my friend keith hirschland former golf channel producer game show winner i always like to throw that in there keith and author and uh you know he was on last year we kind of reviewed the book and talked about it called cover me boys. I'm going in now we're doing, if you could see this, if it doesn't fade out on me there song girl. And I got to tell you Keith first, welcome to the show. Uh, it's great to be with you. <laughs> I, I I don't read a lot of fiction, but I really enjoyed this book. Uh, probably because I know the names of some of the people in it, but uh And I'm kind of surprised, you know, Fultz wasn't the bad guy, but we'll talk about that later. Well, I appreciate you reading it and I appreciate you even more liking it. So thank you for that. Yeah. So how do you go from being a golf channel producer and game show winner, but that was a long time ago, uh, to an author. And I mean, this isn't your first book. It's not even your second book. You've got a couple in the works and you have already published several. How did, What's that transition like? Was it just like, okay, I'm going to write all the stuff about things I dreamed of while this person was screwing up in the Or That's a great question. Um, and I thought about it quite a bit.
2: Uh, I guess it all started when my parents died. Um, and I guess that's an odd transition, but um, Sarah and I were uh, at their place in Maui going through, you know, all their, all their things. Um, and, you know, came across a closet full of cardboard boxes that had a whole bunch of, you know, memorabilia from their life in yeah. them. Um, and, you know, my mom and dad uh, started a TV station in Reno. My dad was, you know, a real kind of local affiliate broadcast pioneer. Sure. Um, so there were all kinds of uh, commendations and letters from, you know, presidents and nevada uh hall of broadcasting hall of fame awards and you know all these stories about you know the starting channel two and what my mom and dad went through and and you know my wife sarah who um didn't really sadly get to know my folks all that well because we met later in life um you know she she looked at me and she said you know don't let this be your kids Going through a box or boxes of stuff when you're gone, and saying, "Holy cow!" You know, I didn't know Dad won an Emmy. I didn't know Dad helped start two TV networks. I didn't know Dad, you know, worked alongside some of the you know biggest names in sports. And she said, "Start writing, you know, writing down in the in a in a diary, in a you know, start in a yeah. notebook, and you know, tell some of these stories about what you did in your career." So I started doing that. And then about halfway through that process, I thought, you know, these are kind of fun and funny and enlightening. And, you know, maybe this is a book. So that's how Cover Me Boys, I'm going in, kind of came about. Um, and then once I finished that, uh, my time at Golf Channel had ended. So I was. You know, still relatively young back in 2013 and <laughs> <laughs> thinking that maybe I wasn't ready to just hang it up and, and go play golf all the time. So I thought, you know, maybe it's time to think about reinventing yourself. And I had so much fun writing cover me boys that I thought, well, maybe try my hand at fiction. So that's how Big Flies kind of started. And and then it's it's just kind of snowballed from there, so to speak.
0: Well, that's a really interesting transition. You know, I uh, I wrote a cookbook once, and um, I've written for magazines off and on over the years. And people will come to me, and this isn't about me, but they'll say, "Boy, you know, you you've had such a unique life. You should write a book about it." I found it very hard (laughs) not not to write because I write every day, just like you do. But I find it very hard to write like about myself or to, I think my life would be better, um, thrown out there as fiction (laughs) than than what really happened because, uh, you know, some of it's, I don't say it's not believable, but I've been very fortunate to travel and do things like you have, you know, but some people, they said, well, just, just write it down. Just put it in a form. Well, like you, I've got notes and I've got files on my computer. I've got notebooks and stuff like that. But the big problem for me is, and I think probably a lot of people that try to do this, is transitioning that to an actual real story, a flowing story in a book. Okay. I find that very difficult.
2: Yeah, I mean, it wasn't
0: easy. I'll I'll
2: say that. And And the other thing, you know, I kind of decided in a certain respect. And I do bounce a little bit um, back and forth in time, but I, I wanted to make it, I figured out that I figured the best way to do it would be chronological to start as a tribute to my parents, which is, you know, one of the main reasons I wrote the book is kind of like a, you know, a thank you and a nod to them. I mean, they, you know, it was because of them that I got interested in this career and this career has been the most amazing Uh, experience and job. And, you know, I wouldn't trade it for the world. There were, you know, a hundred times when I would have gotten up and gone to work for nothing. And just because of, you know, how much I loved what I was doing. So I wanted it to be a tribute to them. And then, you know, I I thought about it and then I thought, man, do I really have an interesting story to tell? I mean, is anybody really going to be interested in this? And the way I went about that was, made a promise to myself to not hold back, you know, yeah. to do everything, you know, open up, the, you know, peel off the scabs and, you know, write the good with the bad. And, you know, I think I was, you know, really proud of myself for, for being able to do that. Um, and the other thing was, it's like, look, I mean, there weren't very many of us that were at the at there at the very beginning of ESPN two with Keith Olbermann and Susie Colbert and and Stuart Scott and Bill Pito and Kenny Main and as the deuce, you know, right. Got its life started. And then at the same time, 10 months later, be on the ground floor of the first and only television network that was dedicated 24-7. 365 to golf i mean it's like there's some great stories in there that to this day i mean i think i you know i'd love you all of your followers and fans to if they're interested in golf tv or sports tv in general take a look at the book because there are some really funny i think you know not to pat myself on the back but really interesting funny stories about how those two networks you know started out in life
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, in reading that book, we'll get don't worry, folks, we'll get back to song girl here in a little bit. But, you know, on Cover Me, boys, it's it's like a lot of things that evolve into huge um, organizations or shows or whatever you want to call it. But they kind of start out on a shoestring. It's kind of like stringing Dixie cups with wire through them, you know, to talk to people and then boom, all of a sudden they they catch on and they're really going, you know, there's a great story, Keith, about Jeff uh, Bezos. When he started Amazon, I, I read a little bit about it and he had cords and Ethernet cords and all this stuff running through his house and stuff in his garage and and, in one room that they had this whole computer system and it was all kind of held together of duct tape, if you will. And now look at it. It's a behemoth, you know. So I I think that uh, you really got in on the ground floor of something there. And I can see where your career there, except for Fultz, uh, has has really been uh, exemplary. You know, yeah, right. That
2: was, that was my one mistake, right? That guy walked into the TV truck. I should have called security right away.
0: Yeah, you should have. <laughs> uh, we're going to take a break here on grilling at the green. We're going to be back with Keith Hirschland, uh and his, talk about his new book song girl right after this. Stay with us. Hi everybody. It's JT. And this is a special version of grilling at the green. Grilling at the green is brought to you in part by painted Hills, natural beef beef. You can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's painted Hills, natural beef. Welcome back to Grilling at the Green. Uh, we'd like to thank the folks at Gunter Wilhelm Knives unmatched quality, comfort, and efficiency for your kitchen online at gunterwilhelm.com. If you want to email us, a couple of emails you can get to us with. One is info at grillingatthegreen.net. There's a place if you go to the website you know, you can send contact or you can just do it very simply at golf at salempdx.com. And of course we're on all the platforms out there. Every day they create another social media platform and trying to keep up with that is, is insane. That's the only thing I'm going to say. We're talking with Keith Herschel today, former golf channel producer actually on air talent too, at one point in his career and now a terrific author. He's got, Song Girl, I'm going to hold this up again. If I if I do it over here, you can't see it because it goes to the green screen. But this is Song Girl, and very interesting uh, concept of this book about um, the title comes from one of the characters in the book who has an accident. I'm not going to give everything away, but then only can answer with lyrics. How did you come up with that?
2: Well, I. I um, that was kind of the premise I thought I was thinking because I had just finished uh wasn't quite finished writing Murphy Murphy in the Case of Serious Crisis. In that book, I tried to incorporate as many redundant phrases as possible into a book, and so I was thinking one day it's like, what could the next little kind of quirky hook be yeah. in writing a book? And I thought, what if the main character was a person that could only speak in song lyrics, like had a had an accident? something happened. Um, and the next day woke up and could only speak in song lyrics. Could I write an entire novel with a main character that had that kind of, you know, abnormality. And so I got into it and I I realized pretty early on that I couldn't write an entire book that way, but I could certainly make a character in a book, um, be that way. So I took, the characters, the main character from uh, my second novel, The Flower Girl Murder, who was a detective in North Carolina, moved him to Colorado Springs. Um, Some of his demons followed him there. And that's where he meets Hannah Hunt, who is Song Girl. And Hannah Hunt, whether, I don't know if your listeners know it or not, but I got Hannah Hunt from it's actually the title of a Vampire Weekend song. Vampire Weekend is a band, and one of their songs is called Hannah Hunt. So I thought, well, I have to have a character whose name is a song title. Sure. If she's only going to be able to speak in song titles. So anyway, it started out with song lyrics. And I got a pretty far into the book, Jeff, um, when I when I started to think, well, I'm going to have to give some attribution. Um, for all these song lyrics, and I needed to figure out how to do that. So I called my brother, who's an entertainment lawyer in Los Angeles, and I told him the concept and I told him about the book and he immediately stopped me and said, you need to stop right now. This can't happen. And I said, what do you mean? He said, you can't use song lyrics in a book. It's you'll get sued from now until the cows come home. By publishers, by songwriters, by agents, by everybody in the world. And I said, Really? You mean I can't have a character in my book say, you know. I was standing on a corner in Winslow, Arizona, and he said, you can try it, but I guarantee you Irving Azoff's going to find out about it, and he's going to (laughs) give you a phone call the next day and sue your butt. So I was like, man, I'm already halfway through this book, (laughs) you know, and I had bought in like all these song lyric books, The Beatles, Paul Simon, and, you know, and I was trying, I was working my tail off, you know, trying to figure out how to make it conversational. So then he said, but there is some good news. He said song titles are fair game. So you can use as many song titles as you want. You just can't use actual lyrics. So I did some reworking and I went back to the drawing board. And so all of a sudden, Hannah Hunt now could only speak in song titles. So um, which was an interesting process uh, just to kind of convert all of that dialogue from one thing to another. But sure. You know, um, I I invite readers to pick up the book. It's a it's a it's I think it's a pretty good mystery in the first place. And then the quirkiness of Hannah Hunt's character, you know, I would love for folks to just, you know, one guy I spoke with described my books as a literary Easter egg hunt, which I really liked because, (laughs) you know, you really do. You, You know, you go through there and go, oh, wait, I recognize that song. I know that song. Is that really a song title? Let me go back and check on that. And so, you know, it's it's for me, it's it keeps me engaged as the writer. But I also hope that it keeps the reader, you know, keeps the reader
0: on his or her toes. If you ever meet anybody called Terry Hickox, run. <laughs> right. <laughs> Just we'll run see Terry again. I'm going to give I'm not going to give a ton away, but we will see Terry again. Uh, she's quite the character, so to speak. OK, so what evil SOB did you right? mold her after? Man, that's somebody at the player. golf channel. Was that Oberman or what? <laughs> I mean, come on, you gotta, you gotta spill the beans here, Keith. Maybe
2: it's a combination of all those folks. And I, you know, I wonder about that. And I think about, you know, in what, in what part of your brain comes up with, with somebody that could be so evil. And do, do you, do you feel any guilt about writing that down on a piece of paper that some, you know, that you're intimately involved with somebody who could, think that way, or do those things. And and then you wonder about the folks that even take it the next 10 steps further and write, like the Stephen Kings of the world and write the creepiest stuff imaginable. And it's like, what their dreams must be like is, you know, something that's always interested me. Um, But, you know, you, you have to have a, you know, you have to have a bad guy. And, you know, this, this bad guy just turned out to be Terry Hickox. So
0: she fills the bill. I mean, <laughs> if you know we were still doing stuff in Hollywood, it would be like you know they have a board, big whiteboard, so to speak, and you got to check the boxes. Does the villain do this, do this, do this? Terry, go right down that list right, right to the bottom. you know right. she'd score fifteen out of ten type thing I did give
2: her I did give her one slight redeeming quality in that it her character, I think at one point I have her say that she was reluctant to harm a puppy dog.
0: So, yeah, you know, there's there's that. Well, at least you weren't following Maute Sung then, because he used to eat puppy dogs. Uh, <laughs> we're talking with Keith Hirschland, my friend and author and uh, television producer from Golf Channel and ESPN. The Deuce is a uh, book out now called Song Girl, uh, a mystery in two verses. So Keith and I'll be back in just a couple minutes. Don't go away. It's JT, and this part of Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Ben Hogan Golf. Check them out online at benhogangolf.com. Hey, welcome back to grilling at the green i'm jt and we'd like to again thank the folks at painted hills natural beef beef the way nature intended or a quick reminder again portland golf show coming up march 25th through the 27th at the expo center out there in north portland just before you cross the river into vantucky up there um and ben hogan golf tour quality clubs at factory direct prices right to you that's benhogangolf.com we're talking with keith hirschland so you integrated a lot of folks that you worked with, okay and we make fun of folks because we you know him a lot better than I do, but he's a great guy and then there's Karen who I think sometimes tries to keep him on a short leash. I don't know if that's successful or not um, you got Nao in there you've got some of my counterparts in this business you got Chris mustero in there CT himself. You know, uh, you got Tucker in there. I was kind of oh. thinking my might show up back there as like the mortician or something. You're, I'm not sure. You're about. coming.
2: Your turn's coming. Don't worry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so how do you decide how to make, uh, like, let's talk about Chris for a second, you know, because he plays a pretty intricate part in this book. and And, you know, I don't want to give away all the characters and stuff, but he helps somebody a lot. Uh, in the book. And if anything, Chris is, as far as I know, the absolute opposite of his character in the book. So, how do you go about building that? You know, he's a biker, he's the head of a, a gang there in uh, Colorado Springs, et cetera, et cetera. It, you know,
2: I, I, first of all, I just need to, if I, I don't, I, I do it obviously in the acknowledgments at the end of the book, but, I, you know, I can't thank my friends enough. Um, for letting me use their names in these books. One of the hardest things for me, it's weird, one of the hardest things for me as a writer is coming up with character names. And Uh so, you know, I feel tremendously grateful that I can text a Jerry Foltz or I can text a Chris Mascaro or I've already put you on notice, you know, that say, (laughs) you know, I want to use your name as a character in a book. And 100% of the time, Nobola was a little like, uh, let me check with Selena.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, uh,
2: but, um, you know, it's, it's a hundred percent of the time folks have come back and said, you know, I'd be honored or You know, I'd be thrilled. I can't wait. Or you know, just don't make me a bad guy. Or you know, and I said I can't make any promises in that way. But you know, one of the things about the CT Mascaro character in Song Girl was that I think you made an excellent point. He is almost exactly the opposite of the character. And I thought what a perfect way to use his name because nobody would actually think it's really him. You know, right? Nobody. There are no qualities in this guy that except for. You know, I mean, he did. He is helped. I mean, Chris Mascaro is one of the nicest guys on social media. One of the nicest guys in the world. He's always there to lift you up. He's always there to, you know. And he did give a helping hand to to a character or two in the book. And I also, in a weird way, I had this idea that this guy was going to. It's funny how you know characters progress in your mind before you get it down on paper. But, you know, this guy was going to end up as a starter at a local golf course you know, somewhere and he was going to over the PA say next on the T, which is Chris's, you know, the name of one of Chris's shows. So I thought, well, it's got, you know, I gotta use his name as the character in the book. So, you know, and, and Jerry and Karen, you know, I I I tried to figure out a way to get them in the book as, you know, partners. So they became cops and they have a little, you know, back and forth. I have both Paulsons in there from uh, Inside the Ropes on Mm -hmm. Sirius XM PGA tour radio. So, um, and Dennis is the police chief because you know his nickname when he was playing on tour was the chief so you know i thought this makes perfect sense the chief of police needs to be dennis paulson and sure so i i put carl in there too because i don't want to slight carl because they're you know they're partners in crime on the radio so i might yeah. as well make them you know get them both in the book because one of them's going to be mad at me if i put one in and not the other so it's you know it's a crazy process i probably have um little self-reflection if i look back and maybe i have a tendency to introduce too many characters in my books i don't know but um so coming up with those characters names is always tough and i'm again thankful for for um those folks who have let me in the past and for you to let me in the future
0: no worries um so i got a question about the chief okay (laughs) uh you you there's reference to And I didn't, I'll put it this way. There's reference to his office getting redecorated a few times, you know. Does that come from your personal experience in your life? Or was that, is that something we don't know about the chief or what? Because, you know, when, when you're first reading it and you read, he's got this big, elaborate, beautiful desk and, you know, uh, Kind of like a desk in the Oval Office type thing, and all that. And next thing you know, he's like on a table, you know. And and as soon as you're reading that, you know that there's somebody's wife is involved. You don't even have to get to the part where you actually say it. You know somebody's doing some redecorating. So was that? Did that come from your life personally, or where? There's there's some there's some uh, personal experience in there. Not actually
2: for, with Sarah, but my mother-in-law, um, and. Father-in-law, my my father-in-law works at an, an art gallery, and so uh, there are a lot of folks that come through his orbit that um, take things on consignment, or sure. you know, have things in their houses that they, you know, that they keep for a, a limited amount of time, and then things get switched out for something else. And um, and my my mother-in-law is a, an amazing. Uh, she you know she is basically. Uh, my world's version of Martha Stewart, an amazing cook, an amazing decorator. So, you know, I, I just wanted to to have like this little, again, it's, I guess it's a quirk, but this little like strange set of circumstances for this police chief that, you know, has an office, but
0: doesn't really know what's going to be in it from one day to the <laughs> next. <so. laughs> That's like my house. What are you talking about? <laughs> so yeah. Ever since the advent of Amazon, which I think we plugged for no reason, they're certainly not a sponsor <laughs> of the show, but I'm pretty sure we have our own Amazon driver and truck. Yeah. You know, like that first Absolutely. name basis and all that. FedEx, yeah, and our, dog, our dog
2: knows him. He drops, he drops uh milk bones with each package. So yeah. That.
0: Yeah. Uh, the, the FedEx lady here, I probably only see her once or twice a month cuz people are sending me books and and sure. samples and stuff for the other shows and they usually come in that way. Um she always looks kind of hurt and left out anymore. <laughs> you know. I mean the Amazon guy's got his own parking spot right out there. So anyway, um how long did it take you to write this? Uh, Song geez. girl? It's about a year I found that um I'm
2: I'm on about a, a cycle of about a, a book a year yeah. right now. Um cover me boys took four and a half um because I was still working, I was still working pretty much full time as I was writing Cover Me Boys. I'm going in. So I didn't have an, as much time to actually just sit down and write. But Jeff, I've never been the kind of guy that, you know, I I I heard and read. You know writer's advice saying you know sit down at the same time every day and write and you know I, that has never been my my style um i just i write when i'm when i get a you know a wild hair i write when i right. get you know some 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 motivation or a muse or something happens um i don't write every day so the books take take about a year um especially from the minute I put pen to paper to the day it gets published. Sometimes it's even a little more than a year so. Um, Song Girl was probably 10 months writing and then the next couple um, sending it to the publisher and making sure everything was right and getting the cover design, which I think they did a beautiful job. I mean, I love love the way the book looks um, and then getting it out there. So yeah, and right now I'm working on Murphy Murphy and the case of the Commission on Clichés so I'm about two thirds of the way through that. And I've been writing for about six months. So we'll see. How many rewrites do you do? I, I go through it every day, almost. I mean, it is. And, and again, somebody smarter than me once said, writing is rewriting. I can sit there at, you know, I finish when I finish with the book or what I think I'm finished with the book. I go over it in my mind a million times. They can could this part be better? Could this part be different? Did I tell this story right? Did I, you know, flush out this character well enough? And eventually you just got to smack yourself on the side of the head and say, stop, because you could spend your entire life never finishing one book. If you decided that every sentence, every Piece of dialogue. Every character description wasn't perfect. You know, perfect yeah. is in this case the enemy. The enemy of the good. So you just at some point you just have to trust yourself, trust your friends, trust your editor who says, "Man,
0: this is pretty good." Let's yeah. go with it. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back with Keith Herschel and here on Grilling at the Green right after this. Hi, everybody. It's JT, and this is a special version of Grilling at the Green. Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome back to Grilling at the Green. I'm JT. Today we're talking with Keith Hirschland. Keith's new book, Song Girl. I'll hold it up again. I'm not sure if you, there, see, now you can even see his, Name on the bottom there. Okay. I never did like working in front of green screens, Keith. Yeah. I, I i never did because, you know, you never, sh- I was never sure what was going to happen. But f- before we get back to talking with Kirk, um, I forgot something in the last segment. So we're going to get Bruce Furman's golf tip of the week here.
1: Hi, this is Bruce Furman. I'm the director of instruction out at Langdon Farms. And today's tip, I'm going to talk a little bit on how to start your backswing. Uh, a lot of people ask me that, and there's different ways to. Of doing it, but when you study swings, and I have a um, computer program, and I have uh, lots of tour pro swings that I've studied over the years, and a lot of my I, I film myself, believe it or not, down at different tournaments. And when you look at it and you really study it closely, you'll see that most tour pros actually have a subtle move off the ball, meaning if you're right-handed, you're moving to the right. And believe it or not, when you look at it, you know, with a computer program, you'll see that they actually start that move lot of times before they even move the club so they they move the club with that subtle move to the right and then the coil the turn begins as they move to the right and that left shoulder then will go under their chin behind the ball their back will be to the target they'll they'll put weight into their right leg 75 or so that right hip will go back and they'll they'll load up that right leg their left knee should go out toward the ball so when you Start your swing, that little subtle move to the right, and then feel that coil into your back leg. That'll help you get the club started in a in a tour pro uh, way, and, and you'll play much better rather than just keeping your, your body still and pulling the club back like a lot of people do. That's not the best way to do it. So I hope that helps you.
0: Thank you, Bruce. We appreciate that. Folks, you can find out more about Bruce Furman and his teaching over there at Langdon Farms, where he is the uh, director of instruction. Um, now back to my buddy, Keith Hirschland. It's, d- d- let me p- put it this way, Keith. Is there a big relief when you finally, like you were saying at the end of the last segment, you finally got to let it go. You got to send it in. And even after it's been proofread and and you know, from beta all the way up to the senior editors at the at the publishing company. After they do that, and you take a big sigh of relief, um, how long does it take you to get that book out of your head and start thinking about a new one? Well,
2: I I I don't think I've since I started writing. I don't think I've stopped thinking about the next one, and I'm already, you know formulating ideas for i'm right right now like i said i'm working on the sequel to murphy murphy in the case of serious crisis and murphy murphy that's going to be a trilogy he's going to he started out with the case of serious crisis which was redundancies The next book will be Murphy, Murphy and cliches. I'm going to see how many cliches I can get into the manuscript. And then the third book in the trilogy will be Murphy, Murphy with some kind of involvement with the pun police. So I'll get (laughs) puns in the book. And then that will be the end of knock on wood, the end of Murphy, Murphy. Um, But as I'm writing Murphy, Murphy, um, the second one, I'm already thinking about the next Mark Allen book. Mark Allen is the detective in Songo, So you know, I'm kind of, I don't know if that's what most most authors do or some authors do. I know for me, it's like I got, if I get an idea, an idea comes to me, I can't just set it aside and say, okay, well, that's got to wait until I'm done with this. I, I have to start form, formulating ideas about that. And there is a, there is a sigh of relief when, you know, the, the end is, is printed on you know, that final page, but then that comes with a whole new set of anxieties and worries, because now it's like, is anybody going to read it? (laughs) Is anybody going to buy it? Is anybody going to like it? So, um, and those are other, you know, kind of, uh, you know, self-inflicted wounds that you can't, as a, as a writer, I found you really can't dwell on it because it's out there in the universe and whether or not people like it is up to them. Um, you know, you hope they do, uh, so far the reviews have been really good for song girl and folks like you have been kind enough to tell me that you like it and recommend it, but, uh, you know, you never really know. So
0: you just keep doing it for the love of doing it. That's well, that's why we do everything. Is it? Yeah. I think, or we should Keith Herschel. Uh, It's going to stick around for after hours. But if you look on the screen, folks, up to the top left of your screen, there's an Emmy up there. We're going to talk about that (laughs) in in after hours. But his new book, Song Girl, a mystery in two verses. uh, I highly recommend it. It's very entertaining and a lot of fun. And if you're into golf, you'll recognize some of the characters' names because they will be out of character from as you know them. (laughs) But a lot of names there. Keith, thank you so much. Jeff, it's always a pleasure. I love being with you, and I always learn something. I thank you, and uh, uh, I appreciate your support, as always. No worries. Um, we're going to be back very soon with a new edition of uh, Grilling at the Green. Don't forget the golf show coming up the 25th through the 27th out there. And so everybody take care, and we'll see you next week.
1: <laughs> Grilling at the Green is produced by JTSD Productions, LLC, in association with Salem Media Group, All Rights Reserved.